to Fancy Town Crimes Podcast, a podcast about crimes in fancy towns told by middle-class broads. Well, hello, everybody. Hey, quarantine friends. Quarantine friends. That's what it's going to be from now on. Even if this extends <laughs> past quarantine, it's going to be quarantine friends. I know. <laughs> How are you doing in quarantine? I'm doing. We are getting started on remote learning. It starts tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pray for me. Pray for the children. It's going to be a rough ride. (laughs) I've already posted posted all the Zoom information for them. And literally, it's like teenagers, man. If you make one flippin' typo, one typo, even if they understand what it is, They'll still point it out. They'll be like, um, I think you put this wrong. And I'm just like, oh my. I know. Just, can we just please? <laughs> have there been any updates for you on, like, school and what, like, as far as, like, going back to school? When are they going to make that call? I have no idea. So, as of right now, we're going to work this week. So, our remote learning plan is Monday is reserved for meetings slash assigning work to kids. The way that the work is assigned is Monday it's assigned, Friday it's due, no homework over the weekend basically, which is fine, that's easy enough. And then Tuesday through Thursday, we have like a half day schedule. So we'll teach from 9 a.m. to 12 p.m. Then um, Friday is like office hours. So if they have questions or concerns or whatever, they'll like drop into our office hours, kind of like what you do in college. That's what we got so far. We're starting the week before quote unquote April break. We're still going to technically have April break. Oh, you are. I was wondering if there's any updates on that. I, so it makes sense. Like they're thinking, we had a meeting with my principal the other day. Their thinking is, okay, if we take April break to pause, when we go back to school, we'll have an extra week face to face with the kids. But then the flip side is, if we don't go back to school, which is kind of likely, it's going to be way harder to keep the kids engaged until June 24th virtually, because that's when we're going to, June 24th as of right now. And so I'm just kind of like, I don't want to have April break off because what am am I going to do? Yeah, the likelihood of, of, you know, having some some states or some counties not in mass but other areas haven't they said like no school for the rest of the year or I know Virginia you're not going back yep Virginia has and I think New York has too and some schools in Massachusetts got rid of April break okay so I wish that we would too but Mm -hmm. we have not oh and speaking of April break so you know how I was supposed to go to Italy for April break yes okay Rome right? The airline still has not canceled the flight. It's Friday. It's Friday when I'm supposed to fly out. And they keep being like, okay, here's your ticket. And here's where you're going to sit and pick your meal options. And I'm just like, what? (laughs) You can't, you can't leave. And so I think what it is, is that they're, um, 
like holding out till the last gun fires because they want to give vouchers and not money back because if they cancel, mm. they have to get money back. And I'm like, you don't know me. I can hold out till the bitter end. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, I'll be so curious to hear what happens with that. That's insane. I can't believe they still have it. I can believe it. And, you know, honestly, like, the piece to me kind of feels like you guys have gotten a bailout. Like, just pay people back. Just pay uh-huh. us back. Why are you holding out? Uh-huh. You're not fooling anybody, you know? Yeah, seriously. And uh, oh, this my is Megan, by the way, the bitter Irishman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Taylor. <laughs> With her Jack and Coke. I know. My Jack and Coke already. It's going to be a silly, Megan silly episode. Taylor with her crystallized ginger. Oh, crystallized ginger. Yes. My, uh, well, apparently it's Australian naked ginger, according to this, but it's crystallized ginger. (laughs) What does that even mean? (laughs) They, like, it's, like, I don't know. It's, like, dried ginger that has sugar on it. Is it good? It's, um... I love it because it makes me feel better, and that's really, you know, that's really the name of the game. Yeah, I guess ginger does settle stomachs. Yeah. Wait, didn't, didn't mean, you get, like, a, a bump box or something like that? I did. It actually came from um, Jeff's work. His, uh, their HR department, whenever someone um, either who works there or a spouse is pregnant, they um, send them a bump box. Which I think is like That's the cute. thing ever. Yeah, it was really cute. There were um, like so many good things in there, like a belly butter that I'm really excited about because I need to start doing that because my belly's starting to get itchy now because the it wants to stretch. Um, oh, that's funny. I didn't know. And that. yeah, it gets itchy. So like your tummy gets itchy. Like anything that's gonna be stretching gets itchy because the the skin is starting to stretch apart. That makes sense. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I had a ton of cool things. So I would definitely recommend the Bump Box if you are, you know, looking to, uh, if you're pregnant and looking for something, especially during this time. Like, it's fun to just get a delivery <laughs> and, like, do, like, just something out of the norm. It was very exciting to see on my doorstep. <laughs> I know. That is great. That's really cute. I saw it on Instagram, and I was like, oh, how adorable is this? It was so cute. I really, I really loved it. It's sitting under my desk right now. The box itself and Piper has decided that she really wants to pull it out. So she keeps, every time I'm like trying to do work, she comes in and she squeezes her head in between my leg and the desk and like tries to pull it out. And I'm like, get away from the box. Like, stop it. She's just like, she's such a little butt. She's a toddler. (laughs) She is a toddler. Oh my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh. So what, um, what town are we doing today? So we are doing Cambridge. We're back in Massachusetts because Woo-hoo. we got our first listener suggestion. Is that what we're going to call it? Yeah. Listener suggestion. suggestion. And let me tell you something. We love them. We've gotten two so far. Keep yeah. them coming. We love it At- all. We'll go back Absolutely. anywhere. <laughs> yeah totally and like whenever we get a suggestion we will go ahead and do like we'll like add them into the roundup so anytime that we're putting out an episode like we will add the suggestion into um into the lineup of episodes so give us a, a 
a, a location and or murder suggestion. The murder suggestion is really good because then that makes it or a white collar crime easier. or a white collar crime yeah. or a cold case or an I survive or mm-hmm. just maybe not that. mafia crimes because I don't want mm. someone coming after me. <laughs> and we're like sitting ducks right now because we're always in the yes. same place. Uh, so we're doing Cambridge, good old Cambridge that we have spent a good amount of time in ourselves. Oh, oh yes. Going to college in Boston and Boston and Cambridge are right next to each other and frequently get confused for being each other. Indeed. Okay. So Cambridge is a city in Middlesex County, Massachusetts. It's located north of Boston across the Charles River and is the fifth most populous city in Mass. And my dad's family is from Cambridge. Woo! Before it was rich. We are not rich because they were in poor Cambridge in the 20s. Sad. Okay. So <laughs> it's made up of 13 neighborhoods and is known as the City of Squares, which I did not know. Not squares like a square person. Squares like, um, like Kendall Square, Harvard Square, because literally there are so many of them. It's called the city of squares. Yeah, I mean, that makes a lot of sense. That's really interesting. Yeah. And then each of the commercial districts are located in the squares, and each of the squares is a neighborhood center. So Cambridge is home to many colleges, including MIT and Harvard. That's right, Harvard is not in Boston, despite what everybody thinks it is in Cambridge. People think that, I didn't realize. Well, haven't you seen, like, in movies and stuff, whenever it's, like, Harvard, it's, like, Boston, Mass, because, I mean, Mm. it is right over the river, but, yeah. It's very close. And then MIT, so, little little sidebar, do you remember the MIT frats (laughs) that we used to go to? (laughs) Oh. (laughs) MIT frat parties back in college were a thing. They were a lot. So, listen, everybody thinks that those MIT kids are just straight nerds, which some of them are. And even the nerds party hard because those frats were down to a science. Do you remember they had, like, lookout guys and everything to make sure that the party didn't get, like, broken up because there were too many people? And They were so intense and so elaborate. That's the thing about like frat parties in college is they're so flippin' elaborate and you're like, how is this, how is that this much thought put into this? I'm very confused. Also very Puritan thing of Massachusetts. You're allowed to have frat houses, but not sorority houses. Correct. Which is just whatever. It's strange. Okay. It is very odd. Welcome. <laughs> so here's another kind of cool thing. At least 129 of the world's total 780 Nobel Prize winners have spent some part of their career affiliated with a university in Cambridge. Cambridge is also, it is. I mean, smart people in Cambridge, man, which is why we went to school in Boston. (laughs) (laughs) We didn't get into Cambridge. (laughs) No. Okay, so Cambridge is also home to the first garden cemetery in the United States. So now when I was first reading this, I was like, this is weird. Why are they so proud of their cemetery? And then it got weirder. So the Mount Auburn Cemetery was created in 1830 
and it sits on the Cambridge Watertown line today before Cambridge and Watertown and a whole bunch of other towns were kind of connected together. But now it's like right on the Watertown line. John Bigelow came up with the idea out of concern for the unhealthiness of burials under churches and possibility of running out of space. So first yeah. garden cemetery was in Cambridge. You can thank John Bigelow. That is super and, interesting. And Mount Auburn Cemetery is the resting place of many Boston Brahmins. And that's just a fancy term for rich people. <laughs> and it's also a national historic landmark as well. Actually, I think a so lot Cambridge of towns not just there, full of fancy places and fancy people. It's full of dead fancy places and fancy people. Yep. For sure. Um, so Cambridge was settled in 1630 by Thomas Dudley, his daughter and son-in-law, and it was originally named Newtown. N-E-W-E. -E. Yep. Can we guess what Newtown then became for a name? Newton? Yeah. That's where it comes from. <laughs> <laughs> so oh, interesting. the town was initially made up of Cambridge Village, which is now Newton, Cambridge Farms, which is now Lexington, Little or South Cambridge, which is now Brighton, and West Cambridge, which is Arlington. I'm like, tell something. Huge. They are all, every single one of them, I'm like, okay, Newton, super nice, Lexington, super nice, Brighton, okay, it's a lot of renters, but like, just super nice homes. And then Arlington, yep. also super nice. So we just yeah. split off into little rich areas, apparently. Yeah. And that's like a big surface area. Mm-hmm. Cambridge is huge. Or, I mean, it's, it still is pretty big, but it was huge. Yeah. Um, wow. So the new college was found in 1636 and is still the first university in America, though it's now known as Harvard. I don't know what the deal is with all this new stuff, like new town and new college. Like, we get it. Nobody's named it before, but let's be a little creative here. Just a little like creative. in New England. <laughs> exactly. And it's kind of funny because when I was reading through Wiki, obviously, I had to, like, shorten this a lot because there's so much information about Cambridge. And I was like, oh, my God, what's important and what's not? But all that. these names were names of towns, like, there was John Winthrop, and then Thomas Dudley, and other ones. Oh, weird. <laughs> They're all named That's after That's so people. weird. Yeah. Okay. So Cambridge was the center of a literary revolution in the 1800s, as it was home to famous fireside poets, such as Henry Wadsworth Longfellow and James Russell Lowell. Yeah, Lowell. See? Lowell's another one. Right? Oh, interesting. That's and the Longfellow Bridge that's just permanently under construction. Yeah. <laughs> permanently under construction, indeed. <laughs> so Cambridge was incorporated as a city in 1846. At the time, there was a lot of tension between the different neighborhoods due to differences in culture, sources of income, and national origins of residents, which I would argue is still a big issue in the United States. <laughs> mm -hmm. It became the city that it is today between 1850 and 1900 with the development of the streetcar system, the T, and major manufacturers settling in Cambridge. Cambridge is now one of the most costly housing markets in the Northeast. Despite its diversity in race and class, it has become so difficult for those who grew up in the city to be able to afford to stay. So there is diversity there, 
and there is differences in socioeconomic statuses, but those who are on the lower end of the SES have to move out of Cambridge because they can't live in Cambridge, even though they grew up there. Crazy. Yeah. So in 1994, at the end of rent control, many Cambridge residents had to move to more affordable housing in Somerville and other surrounding towns. Kind of cracks me up that they moved to Somerville because now you can't get into yeah. Somerville if you tried. <laughs> nope. So you just have to keep standing out and out and out. Yep, exactly. <laughs> Cambridge is a population of almost uh, 1,100,000 residents. No. 111,000 residents. Wow, Megan. <laughs> and 65,000 employees. <laughs> wow. The median household income is 89,000. And the property value oh. is 670,000. The median property value. I'm surprised that low, honestly. Really? Because, I mean, that's like, but the median, like that smack in the middle, that's insane. I know. But you think about Cambridge, like, what are you going to get for under that? It's got to be a condo. You're not going to be able to get a single family or, or anything True. or like a multi. And we're not even talking like Crazy. single family, nice yard. We're talking about single family, no parking. Absolutely like, no parking. Well, you know what's funny is, so, I mean, you know that my dad's family grew up in Cambridge and they lived on this street called Market Street. Um, mm -hmm. And the house, I forget, my dad will kill me. I forget the number. But when my aunt moved out of it, it was, I want to say 2013 or 14, she moved out of that place, maybe a little before yeah. then. It literally had a stove from 1950 something. There had been no updates since probably the 50s, since my great grandfather did updates. It was an old brownstone in Cambridge. There was no parking. There was a tiny little yard, right? It yep. sold for like $700,000. No, maybe $800,000. Yeah. And now with all the renovations, it's $1.3 Oh, I'm not, I'm not surprised. It's crazy. If you, if you want a good, uh, a, a funny um, depiction of the Boston area and like housing prices and stuff, you should look for it on Netflix. Uh, for Spencer Confidential with um, Mark Wahlberg, there is this part in <laughs> there's a part in the movie where the grandfather he's showing his the triple decker that he lives in, and he says he was like when my parents bought this house it was two hundred thousand dollars and now it's one point six million per floor <laughs> and it's. <laughs> So true. That's exactly yeah. how it is around here. So I would highly recommend watching that movie. It's really funny. Yeah, that's for sure. Um, okay, so all right. So median property value is six hundred and seventy thousand. In two thousand and sixteen, only thirty percent of the population of Cambridge actually owned a home. So it's a huge renters market. Yeah. Did I say that right, real estate agent, or is there just a lot of renters? <laughs> You said that, that it was 30% 30% ownership, right? 37, yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the rest are all renters, which is why the, um, why the vacancy rate in the Boston area is so significantly low, like it's less than 1%. Wow. Um, okay, Cambridge is also home to a number of technology and biotech firms as well. 
And one of those biotech firms is Biogen, which I think is where COVID started for Massachusetts, right? It is. Well, because they had that convention. In Massachusetts, and they also, I was actually just reading an article about this. So they had their convention, Biogen did, and it started here in Mass. However, there were, so I think there were 99 Massachusetts residents who came out with COVID from the Biogen conference. And that's only Massachusetts residents um, because there were people at the conference, obviously, who were from Biogen in other parts of the country. So we know that one of them went, traveled back to Tennessee. We know that another one traveled back to, I think it was New York. So basically, Biogen helped to spread it over the rest of the country. You're welcome. I mean, and for the record, it wasn't Biogen's fault. There weren't no, really any fault. cases in Massachusetts at the time, you know. Mm-mm. But it just kind it of made me laugh. It was way, way early. Yeah. Eh. So on a happier note, it's also <laughs> home to a number of nonprofit organizations such as one laptop per child and Lincoln Institute of Land Policy. Now, can I just say for a second, okay? I love that this company's name, this nonprofit's name, is called One Laptop Per Child because clearly they like made the whole company, they have this great mission, they put so much work in, and then they were like, screw this, I'm done with the naming, we give laptops out to the kids, it's called One Laptop Per Child. Like, let's make this shit easy, basically. (laughs) They're just exhausted. They're like, forget it. I don't even care. Just if somebody works here, this is great. One laptop per child. <laughs> and then in 2020, it was ranked the number one place for young professionals to live in the nation due to its urban feel, restaurants, and nightlife. So if you are a rich young professional, go live there because it's wonderful. And I don't even mean that in like a mean way, like rich, but I mean like for your one little bedroom, you're going to be paying a thousand dollars a month, probably not even with utilities. Oh yeah, and that's when you have a roommate. Thousand dollars. <laughs> and I love Cambridge. You, have, you like, actually Cambridge, have like three roommates. <laughs> Cambridge is such a nice area and everything. It is. Oh my god. And also, so I was reading up on like Brattle Street because I think before yeah. Brattle Street in Cambridge, it was called the Road yep. to Watertown or something like that. You remember what else is on Brattle Street, right? I don't. The donkey show. Oh my god. (laughs) So for those who don't know, which is probably everybody, the donkey show is what is it? It's like a rendition of Midsummer Night's Dreams or anything like that. I think they do different plays. Like I think they do different so like Midsummer Night's Dream was one example, but it's basically like a drag show. Yes. You would say drag. Eh, but it, it was kind of drag. There were some people in drag, but it was mostly it was like a trippy Shakespeare. Yes. Yeah. And and we learned the hard way. You cannot go sober. You either go, go drinking. You've already had things to drink, and you go and you enjoy, or you just don't go because don't go sober. Just do yourself don't a favor. Sober. It was frightening sober. We were like, yeah. what? is happening <laughs> I'm, I'm looking it up right now so it is a disco experience um a crazy circus of mirrors balls and feathered divas on oh yeah of roller skates and hustle queens inspired by a midsummer's night's dream um 
so yeah, it's, uh, if you're ever in the area, I don't know if maybe they do this in other areas, but I mean, recommend it if you're going to have a couple of drinks. <laughs> you got to have a couple of drinks. You, you just, just trust this, trust us on this one. We were, we had gone for somebody's 21st birthday, but we were only 20. So like the yep. good little girls that we were, we didn't drink. And oh my God, I should have gone when I was 21. <laughs> yep. Yep. Definitely wait. <laughs> It's not Hold bad. Out. The actors are great. It's just, it's too much sober. It's, you're like, it's, I can't. It's, it's overwhelming. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that kind of, that gives us the sum of Cambridge. The Donkey Show, MIT, Harvard. Awesome. Just a little flavor of Cambridge for you. <laughs> so um, our crime today was mentioned by a listener, correct? Yes. A listener um, friend. So, our listener friend, Julia, um, she recommended the murder of Mary Jo Frugs, Frugs? F-R-U-G. Um, and it actually just had its 29th anniversary um, of, of this woman's death on April 4th. So oh, my God, really? Yeah, so we're just about a week past its 29th anniversary. That happened the day before I was born. Literally the day before I was born. It literally happened the day before you were born. That's insane. So, yeah. So it is unsolved. Um, I'm just going to go ahead and dive into it. So, yeah. From 1981 to 1991, Mary Jo Frug was a professor at Boston's New England School of Law. And her husband, excuse me, her husband, Gerald Frug, taught law at Harvard. She was considered a front runner of uh, postmodern feminist legal theory, but her work was not without controversy. Um, her husband's colleague at Harvard, um, what Alan Dorshowitz, was a well-known detractor of hers. I'm you did a good really job rehearsing this. So <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm doing great with these names. Um, <laughs> So, on the evening, evening of April 4th, 1991, uh, Frog, so Mary, uh, Mary Jo was attacked in the prestigious Brattle Street neighborhood of Cambridge, um, 300 yards from her home. She was stabbed five times in the chest before her assailant fled. Mary Jo called out to a passing motorist for help who called for medical assistance, but sadly she died on the way to the hospital. Mm-hmm. She was only 49 years old. So, police never named a suspect, um, an unknown white man in his 20s was spotted hiding in nearby bushes before the assault, but, his, but this lead evaporated. Um, so, a seven-inch military knife was discovered in a yard a few blocks from the scene of the crime. However, it was, not, it was never linked to Mary Jo's playing, um, and no motive was ever ascertained. So her purse was found intact and her body showed no signs of sexual assault, um, leading to speculation that her slaying was a random act of violence. Um, however, two women were raped in the neighborhood in the weeks leading up to the murder, but police believe the three attacks were unrelated. Um, were the two women related? Do you know? Like their they, attacks? So they, so they believe that those that's a really good question. I, the way that I interpreted the rest of this here was that the rapes were likely linked, but if they were not linked, 
then that would also play into why it's potent- like if it potentially with three different people instead of, you know, just two people. Mm-hmm. So that's a great question. I'm not sure. They don't clarify that anywhere here. So Cambridge police investigated whether her murder was politically motivated, but they abandoned this angle after interviewing her colleagues at Harvard and the New England School of Law. Um, so the reason that they questioned whether or not it was politically motivated, um, I'm going to go into that here because I, I think that this is really interesting. So a year after her death, um, in March 1992, um, the Harvard Law Review published an unfinished draft article of Mary Jo's called A Postmodern Feminist Legal Manifesto which explored the legal theories of violence towards women. Some members of the review were opposed to publishing the piece. And later on, the anniversary of her murder, parodied it in He Manifesto of Postmodern Legal Feminism, which was included in the Harvard Law Review, um, an annual proof of the review. The parody was in the Harvard Law Review? Correct. Wait, are you kidding me? Oh, wait. Is included in the, I don't know if this is a spelling error or if it's included in the Harvard Law Revue, which is R-E-V-U-E. I don't know if that's a spelling error on their part or if it is like a parody of the Harvard Law Review. Um, so it was signed, this parody of her manifesto. Um, it was signed by Mary Doe, rigor mortis professor of law. And argued that Mary... Yeah, and argued that Mary Jo's theories were the concoction of paranoid feminists. So the co-authors, they later apologized um, in a <laughs> statement. But I mean, I don't know about you, but to me, that definitely shows that um, there were a lot of, there was a lot of um, hatred towards what Mary Jo was doing at the time. Um, yeah, because so she, she was a successful had, woman. Literally, that's like what I gather from that. That's the only thing. It's like, here, I'm good at what I do. There's a lot of violence against women, which, duh. You know, and I'm sorry. Like, the woman's dead. You're really going to make fun of her? She was was killed in like this horrible way. You're just, no matter which way you slice it, you're just a douchebag. Like, a hundred percent. Yeah. Like, I just, I don't know what makes you think that that would be a good idea. Yeah, that's it's just so horrendous. Um, so, um, all, all clearly very the, um, absolutely fragile male egos. Mm-hmm. Um, although the New England School of Law offered a $25,000 reward for information leading to the identification of her killer, police um, are no closer to solving the case. So witnesses told authorities that they had seen a 5'10 to 6 foot tall white man um, in his late teens or early 20s with brown hair running from the scene down Brewster Street to Appleton Street. Um, The man was wearing dark clothes and high top sneakers. Um, So they did make casts of the prints from the knife that they found. and they still have those. So a team of investigators requested the victim's records from the New England School of Law to determine if she had any problems with any current or previous students. 
Um, an extensive investigation was um, initiated into the background of the victim and her family, including financial records and pro professional affiliations. Um, friends, relatives, and colleagues were interviewed extensively for a clue to a motivation. Um, her husband, Gerald, wrote in the introduction to a special edition of the New England Law Review that was published on the 25th anniversary of his wife's death and celebrated her work, but there was no such thing as closure following the horrifying event of his wife's slaying. Um, the murder left a permanent wound, one that our children and I had to learn to live with. He wrote, the process takes a very long time and it is still ongoing. Um, so while several anonymous tips came in, they did not lead to anything substantial, according to prosecutors. Um, so although to date, uh, we have been unable to identify who killed uh, her or what the motive may have been, we continue to try to answer those questions and that comes from the DA's office. Um, so as of 2019, the area's cold case unit was looking into this as one of three cases that they were reevaluating. Hmm. Um, so this one's interesting, one, because of its, you know, she obviously had some people who were against her. Um, I was, I got like deep into a Reddit thread um, about this as well. And there was a bunch of theories kind of going around. A lot of people thought it was politically motivated. Um, there was some talk of like a political cover up and like maybe the husband did it and all this stuff. Um, but I couldn't really find any evidence to support that. I couldn't find any evidence to support that the, um, that the husband was ever a suspect. Um, in fact, someone claiming to be the, the niece of uh, them, of the couple, um, said that it you know, tore the family apart and that she oh. was, was very upset that people would, would ever you know, accuse her uncle of doing it. So, um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I get that. Like, usually when it is the significant other, it, they try and, like, hide the body or cover it up or be like, oh, my God, she fell down the stairs or this. You know, it's not. Yeah. Like, why would you follow her and stab her in a park and then just run away? And it's a very public place. Like, it is. I mean, unless he called a hit, but then again, that would be the worst hitman on the planet. What hitman stabs somebody? Yeah, seriously. And like, it, she was so easy to find. It, it almost makes it seem like perhaps someone who was upset with her, like, I don't know, you like, know, truthfully, rage, followed her out of class. I don't know. Truthfully, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a student. I just... I mean, I mean, especially given you the have, description of the person. Yeah, you, you have all walks of life in your classroom. And like, I'm not saying this from personal experience by any stretch of the imagination. I've always had like really good, sweet kids. Um, but I, I mean, if you look at like the Danvers teacher, like Colleen Ritzer, yeah. she was murdered by a student who just snapped. Like, you don't know who's walking into your classroom with what issues on what day with what mental health and you just don't. Totally. And you're right. She could have failed somebody who paid how much money to go to that school and then flunked out. And then obviously it's not her fault that whoever flunked, 
but Absolutely you not. can very easily put that on a teacher and be like, well, she is against me and she hates me and she made me and blah, blah, blah. And then I can totally see that like high stakes, you know, you feel like your world is crashing down around you and here's this person that did that to you. Absolutely. I mean, the other thing that's unexplored here is, and I don't know why, maybe the, the police has some more information that they're not revealing, but that they say that the, you know, the two rapes that occurred in the neighborhood are unrelated to this. Maybe they have some more information. Um, I mean, maybe the rapes happened inside of a home and then this was, you know, outside of the MO. I don't know. Um, perhaps it's, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why they ruled that out. Um, I was reading also in the Reddit thread, people were saying, well, they said this area was really safe or really safe area, but there were two rapes and a murder within a week. Like, how is that possible? And you know, coming from experience and being, having been to that area, um, it, it is very safe. There's a lot of, so first of all, there's a lot of people. It's very well lit. Um, it's like storefronts. It's basically like a little like shopping square. Like it's the best way to mm-hmm. describe it. And there's a lot of police presence. Um, it's just generally very, it feels as a, as a female, <laughs> I can say it feels safe like I feel safe being there um and I wouldn't say that about a lot of places um this but would you ever walk there by yourself though like that's the thing with being a woman is I feel super safe in my neighborhood I love my neighborhood and my and my um town is not considered to be a safe town but I don't know if I'd walk there at night and it's the same thing with when we were going to school in Boston like you totally. don't, you knew that you didn't walk in the fens at night. The fens are beautiful during the day, but you don't walk in the oh, fens yeah. at night. And we were in a really nice Absolutely. area of Boston. But the thing with Boston and Cambridge and all of these small New England towns is like, yeah, okay, they're quote unquote, like, safe and they're good places. But all it takes is one crummy person to make it a totally. not safe place anymore you know, 100%. it doesn't matter yeah, 100%. if they're, you know, paying to go to school at Harvard or if they're like slumming it somewhere, all it takes yeah, is Yeah, there's crappy person. people everywhere. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. So I'm, I'm very curious if they come up with, you know, new leads. Now there's, you know, more technology. This was almost 30 years ago. Um, so yeah, I'm curious to see if the cold case unit comes up with anything, but as of now, it's still un- unsolved, but um, you know, obviously she was working to do, to like bring light to, you know, really powerful things and work that was very important and is still important to this day. Mm-hmm. Um, and people weren't happy about it. And I can only imagine in the nineties how unhappy they were about it, mm-hmm. even though it's like true and it still rings true today. I mean, Absolutely. women are so interested in true crime. Like look at us. I could, I could watch just all day long, but I Mm -hmm. honestly think it's because we are so much more likely to be a victim. Totally. That it's interesting to us. And actually funny little sidebar. So I've got my sister now. My sister does not really like true crime, but now that we in quarantine, all bets are off. So we've been watching the Lake Erie murders. Have you seen the Lake Erie murders? No, I've heard about him, but I have I haven't watched it. Is it on Netflix or Hulu or? No, um, oh my God, it's gonna escape me. No, it's on ID. 
Oh, how have you been watching it? Do you have cable? <laughs> Friendo, yes, I do. Oh, you're such a butt. Do you need my sign-in? <laughs> yes. You can, you can use my sign-in. Get back sign to me. Yeah, I didn't. Get... I didn't just. I didn't just say that. But you can use my sign. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I say to the kids all the time when I'm like, I'm like, listen, you can do this, but I didn't tell you you could do it, or I'm gonna yeah. tell you this, but you didn't hear it from me. And they're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, I swear to God, I'll throw you right under that bus. Don't you dare. <laughs> <laughs> um, but we were watching this episode of Lake Erie Murders, and obviously, it's it's sad. Like, you know, somebody was murdered, and it was a sister describing her sister and she was calling her Joni, like a nickname. And my sister was like, my God, if you had to use my nickname, we call her Bean. <laughs> She's like, you may go, so nice. We call her Bean. <laughs> yeah. And uh, then I was telling her, I was like, God, if something ever happened to me, you guys wouldn't report me missing for like a long time because I am always either hardcore napping for like six hours and my mom will call yeah. my sister and be like where's Megan I haven't heard from Megan and my sister will be like well, she's probably just taking a nap and that's true or <laughs> I am like permanently at least 30 minutes late to everything like no one would think a thing of me being 30 40 minutes late or just straight Absolutely up not. like not <laughs> it would be your you were totally correct. I had never really thought about that, but you're right. I would never know if you, I wouldn't know for a long time if you were missing. <laughs> You'd be like, oh crap, let me start from Megan for like four days. Do we think she's still sleeping? Like, like that's a little suspicious. <laughs> oh, oh Lord. I didn't just interrupt you, did I? I hope I hope you were finished. No, no. Story. I, just I was. I was totally finished. No, I am totally finished. I was just about to ask you what you had for uh, a little bit of a light, light note for us to end on. Okay, so I have like, I have two things because it was kind of hard to find a quote unquote lighthearted one for Cambridge, but mm -hmm. I found this one about this woman and she's so flipping awesome. We have to highlight her. And then I have like yes. a, cute, a cute little mishap. Okay, Perfect. so. This happened in July of last year, so July 2019, and the title is, He Picked the Wrong Victim, Woman Chases Flasher. Oh, so it happened snap. In, yep, it happened in Cambridge. It says, after a man flashed a Brookline woman while she was running along the Charles River Thursday morning, she chased him down, held him for a few minutes, and told several passerbys to call police. He ultimately got away from her. But today, Mass State Police released a video of the man in an effort to get the public's help in identifying him. The woman was out for a run along Memorial Drive near Vassar Street in Cambridge at about 7 a.m. on Thursday, July 18th. She was listening to an audiobook and feeling hopeful. She had plans to take charge of the day, which, let me just pause here for a second. 7 a.m. feeling hopeful and taking charge of the day would never be me, but good for this woman. <laughs> <laughs> if I'm awake at 7 a.m., I'm like, are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> I love it. So this is when she noticed a man in the distance jogging toward her, exposing himself. Then he did it again and even reached out to grab or touch oh. her arm, according to the 35-year-old single mother and personal trainer. Yeah, girl. The, yep. The last part happened in a split second. She said she instinctively ran after the man, asked him his name, grabbed his arm, and held on to him while calling for those nearby to call police. 
she told reporters on Wednesday. He picked the wrong victim, said the woman, um, asking that her name not be used. All I want is for women to stand up for themselves and for passersby to get involved. If she hadn't confronted him, she said, would he have been emboldened to be more aggressive to the next person? And if that person was not a fit former member, or, and what if that person was not a fit former member of the Israeli military? Dude, you picked the way yes. wrong person. The worst person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Amazing. So the flasher got away without giving his name and was last seen running down Amesbury Street. And the only thing he said to her during the encounter was that it, quote, wasn't intentional, unquote. I'm sorry. Come How on. Could that not be intentional? Yeah, no kidding, right? And he did it twice, which is the itch. Like, dude, give me a break. Like, oh, I accidentally did it twice. I'm sorry. Listen, you are how old and you mishandle your penis that badly? Like, give me a break. You're not a toddler. <laughs> you, you don't deserve to have one if you mishandle it that much. <laughs> you deserve a uterus. You deserve this yeah. pain. <laughs> you deserve this so after he said that she said come on (laughs) i could just imagine because yeah can you imagine someone saying that to you it wasn't intentional give me a break bro at first she thought he was adjusting himself but the second time she saw him she said she knew he was exposing himself on purpose like god so what the woman described him as a clean cut man with a heavy build, short, dark colored hair, a receding hairline, <laughs> wearing black and gray clothes and black running shoes with white soles. That has to be like the worst description. Heavy build, short, dark, receding hairline or dark colored hair, receding hairline. <laughs> you know what would have been better is if she had thrown in their tiny penis. <laughs> <laughs> and it was nothing to write home about. <laughs> <laughs> She said she thought he might be in his early 40s and noticed he had a new Apple Watch and ear pods. Then, you know, the unfortunate thing is she told reporters that she was shocked that bikers and fellow runners didn't stop to call 911 when she was clearly asking them to. While she was holding the man, she pulled out her phone to call 911 herself, and that's when he slipped out of her grip. She started running after him on the phone with the operator, who told her to stop breathing so heavy (laughs) so she could understand what happened. Uh, The woman said she did appreciate the help from a nearby construction worker who helped her figure out which direction the man ran. State police say they don't recommend trying to hold down attackers, but agree this was a special situation. Obviously, we prefer for someone to call 911 so that we can respond. She reacted in the blink of an eye in what she felt was the best form of action. Good for her. I think she put the fear of God in the guy, said state trooper James DeAngelis. Police said the man was recorded by nearby cameras and that the video can be seen above. The first segment of the video clip shows the woman reacting immediately following the indecent exposure. Footage shows the woman passing the man, then turning around, running back up to him and grabbing his arm and then running after him. Um, The second segment shows a closer view of the man jogging. And then it just basically says, if you have any information, you can call the Boston police barracks at 617-617. Seven two seven six seven eight zero, and I have no idea if it, they found the guy or not. But she's pretty flipping awesome. Crazy. I mean, she's amazing. She's pretty flipping awesome. May we all? I hope she started teaching like self defense classes after that or something. Yeah, yeah. I'd totally okay. go take one from her. 
Okay, here's another beautiful one. I, <laughs> I just think this is so great. And honestly, this would be Piper, and it just makes me laugh so hard. Okay, so it says, water rescue at Fresh Pond. <laughs> According to Cambridge fire officials, someone thought Fred needed rescuing at Fresh Pond on Sunday night. Fred didn't think so. And this happened in July also, in 2018. So Sunday night, someone needed rescuing at Fresh Pond near the Lily Pond on the golf course side of the pond, according to fire officials. It turned out two Cambridge residents were worried about their black lab named Fred, who swam into Fresh Pond chasing geese. Cambridge Fire Department water rescue team came to the rescue and were, and were just in launching in the inflatable boat to rescue the dog when the dog swam away from the boat and back to shore. Oh, no. <laughs> there were no injuries. Engine 9, Ladder 4, Rescue 1, Squad 4, and the Dive Rescue and Division 2, as well as Cambridge Police, were on the scene. And then oh it says, Scanner reports that the, they thought the woman had wadded into the, waded into the water after the dog, but fire officials... Um, later found out that it was just the dog and in the end fred was a-okay oh fred oh fred That's he's like amazing. leave me alone mom i'm fine no need to call the brigade oh my gosh that's and amazing i love honestly, that honestly i can see piper doing that i can see piper waiting out and then i can see you be especially with these pregnancy hormones being like no oh. She does my baby. And then Jeff ferociously dialing 911 only for her to like oh. paddle back. <laughs> that would 100% happen. That is that is literally my future. I can see that happening. Yeah. So Fred. Oh my gosh. Fred didn't care. Fred just wanted to chase the oh, geese. Fred. Poor Fred. I mean, live your life, Fred. <laughs> <laughs> live your life. Oh. Live your life. Well, that was, those were some very nice, lighthearted ones after a, a heavy murder. So thank you. Of course. And next week, we're going back to Maine because we have another suggestion Woo-woo. that we're going to be doing. Uh, yeah. Very we love exciting. So, yep. Send so them. like we send said, them. send them Instagram. If you have our cell phone numbers, text us. <laughs> um, we're not going to give those them, out. Ask. No. <laughs> Um, or you can email us at fancytowncrimespodcast at gmail.com. Or just DM um, the Instagram account. Yeah, exactly. You can get in touch with us any of those ways. Well, stay safe and stay healthy, everybody. And we'll, yes, uh, please do. we'll, we'll see you in the next one. See you, friends. Bye. Thanks for listening. Don't forget to rate and subscribe. See you next time.